Amen. I'm glad to see you guys this morning. I hope you have your Bible with you and that you'll open up to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3 is where we're at. On Easter Sunday for the last several years, we have looked at the most predictable text imaginable in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And on Mother's Day this year, we did the exact opposite of that. We may have been the only church in America that was studying 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 1 through 6 last week. Uh, it was a Mother's Day to remember, I think. It was a text where we saw Peter applying the same three general principles we saw way back in chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. We have articulated them like this for the last several weeks. We have said, Beloved, this place is not our home. We have said, Beloved, there is a war within. And we have said, Beloved, there is a world to win. Our citizenship is ultimately in heaven, not here. The flesh and the spirit are at odds with each other within us all the time. And our verbal witness to the gospel, our proclamation of the gospel, must be undergirded by Christian living as we evangelize the world around us. Peter then applied these principles to the arena of marriage, particularly to the wives last week. And like in previous weeks, Peter took what is basically the worst case scenario and applied the principles there in order to show that they apply across the board. The worst case scenario last week was a marriage where the wife is a believer in Jesus and the husband is not. And even there, even in that situation, the call to submission applies. So how much more would it apply in a scenario where both the wife and the husband believe in Jesus, love Jesus, trust Jesus, and are seeking to follow Jesus in the way that they live? For application last week, we said, Beloved, this place is not our home. We do not take our directives from the culture. We do not take our directives from social norms. Rather, we live according to the directives of our king who is the king of all kings. We follow him. Secondly, we said, beloved, there is a war within, and that war was raging in some of you. And I wonder if it's spilled out at lunch in some of your homes, um, looking for a way to get around the text that calls wives to submit to their husbands. We don't lean that way. None of us lean that way. None of us are leaning constantly towards submitting to anyone else. But we are supernatural people. It's not a natural thing. We are supernatural people. And the Lord, I believe, will consistently help us to be obedient to his word. And finally, we said, beloved, there is a world to win. So we preach the good news every chance we get. We avoid uh, the tendency to manipulate the text last week to say, I don't need to ever preach the gospel. I'll just live it. I'll win them all without a word. And we miss the part that teaches that those guys had heard the word and were disobedient to it. And so the emphasis was on the living of it out, not to the neglect of preaching it. So we will preach the gospel to the world around us every chance we get. And we will live a godly life before all men, especially those who live closest to us, so that they will not just hear the truth that we preach, but they will see the impact that Jesus makes on our lives. I left you with a question. What do you, what do you want? What do you want, wives, for your husbands? What do you want for your neighbor? What do you want for your coworker? And I hope it is not just to get rid of them. I hope that it is not to see them judged in the end. I hope that your desire for your husband, for your wife, for your children, for your coworker, for your neighbor, is that they would come to faith in Jesus Christ and be saved. That they would glorify him as he deserves to be glorified in their lives. And if that's your desire, then you will live accordingly so that they will see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. That's what we talked about last week. This week, we continue in the arena of marriage, but the focus is going to shift to the husbands. And there is only one verse here for husbands, so we're going to be able to look at it very closely, verse 7, to see what God has designed for us in marriage. And just as last week was a word to the wives, I want to preach this week in a way 
where I don't feel the burden to find some application for every single imaginable situation when the text seems to be directed to a specific set of people, right? I, I, I want to preach to husbands today. I want to preach specifically to Christian husbands today. I want to preach even more specifically to Christian husbands here at First Baptist Church Harrisburg. Like, that's what, that's what the text is for, and me as your pastor, that's what I want to do. I don't want to feel the pressure to say, okay, well, what about every single person? What about uh, unbelieving husbands? What about, uh, you know, mixed up situations? What, what about this and what about that? No, no, no. I'm going to preach the text as it's intended. I want you to do some work if you're not a believing husband and say, well, how does this apply to me? And trust that the Spirit will guide you into how the text applies to you. I can't possibly connect all of those dots this week, and I'm going to resist the urge to do that. So let's look at it in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. This is God's word. This is God's word. Like, remember that and receive it as God's word. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says, You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we're super thankful that you have not left us to our own devices to figure out how to live as husbands and wives in a way that honors you. You've given us directions, and we want to hear them today, and we want to heed them today, for we know that your plan is good. So help us to live this out. Help us husbands, particularly today. Teach us what it means to live with our wives in an understanding way, and to honor them as fellow heirs. As a church, give us a desire to help each other live according to this good design you have revealed to us. We pray that you'll bring encouragement that you'll bring challenge, that you'll bring rebuke, that you will bring whatever is needed for us today to conform us to your will as it's revealed in this text. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so just one verse. We're going to look at it closely. Start with me in the first phrase of verse 7 that says, You husbands, in the same way. Now, I mentioned that there's only one verse here, so husbands, don't think that you somehow get off easy since your text is shorter than the word to the wives last week. If you're thinking that, let me remind you of the balance that is the exact opposite in the text that Laura read a little while ago from Ephesians chapter 5, where Paul gives similar instructions to wives and then to husbands, and he gives much more instruction to husband than he does to wife there. H.B. Charles Jr. is right when he says, the gravity of a text is to be measured by its content and its context, not the verse count of numbers. Like just because the husbands only get one verse here doesn't mean it's unimportant. Doesn't mean that your job is less difficult or less significant. I spent quite a bit of time last week in the text arguing that the phrase in the same way that we see here indicates a connection with previous texts. And I tried to argue that we should not limit that connection to the immediately preceding verses. But we should see it connected to the larger section. And that is especially true this week. Some scholars make a mistake of projecting the, projecting the concept of submission from last week onto husbands here this week. They like say, in the same way you wives submit to your husbands, in the same way you husbands submit to your wives. They try to make that connection. It's just not there in the text. Peter doesn't do that. Last week he said, in verse 1, in the same way you wives be submissive. The audience was identified, you wives the continuation of thought was stated in the same way, and then a very specific call to action was given. Wives, in the same way, submit. The pattern is the same this week. 
The audience is identified. Husbands, you husbands. The connection is established in the same way. But the call to action is different. He doesn't say submit. He says understand and honor. Those are the two calls to action in the text today for husbands. Understand and honor. So if the connection is not submission, then what is the connection? Well, I think we need to reach back to verse 11 and 12 that we've been referring to constantly. Look at it in the text. It says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. So I want us to reach back to that text and hold on to those three things we keep talking about. This world is not our home. There's a war within. There's a world to win. But I want us to keep reading on into verse 13 and say, this is a general statement too in verse 13 when it says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to king as the one authority or go on and on. The statement there of submitting yourselves for the Lord's sake, that phrase for the Lord's sake should stand out. I think that's part of the connection. As he speaks to the husbands, he's going to say, what I'm calling you to do, you do it for the Lord's sake. And I think that is reaffirmed in chapter 2 verse 19 when he says, for this finds favor if for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. That idea of being mindful of God. So I think all of that is in the same way. All of that talk about the world not being our home, the war that is within us, and the world to win, along with doing all this mindful of God, right? For the Lord's sake. That is in the same way, and he's going to call husbands to action. This is for the Lord's sake. This is as strangers and aliens. This is contrary to fleshly lusts. And this is for the sake of winning the world. The text to husbands fits with the text that we've been looking at for the last month in here at First Baptist Church. So he says in verse 7, You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way. Now I already hinted at this a little while ago that there are two calls to action for the husbands in this passage. And the first call is to live with your wives in an understanding way. Now, before we dive too deeply into this, I want to point out that the imagined situation this week is different from the imagined situation last week. There, it was an almost worst-case scenario of a believing wife with an unbelieving husband. How is she to engage with him? And the call was even submit there. This week, it seems to be almost a best-case scenario with both husband and wife as faithful believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, faithful followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter is giving directions to the believing husband here. And you're going to see that fleshed out on through the text. So guys, listen, we are called in this text to live with our wives in an understanding way. ESV says it basically the same way. It says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. NIV goes a little bit different direction when it says, husbands, in the same way, be considerate. Be considerate as you live with your wives. And honestly, I don't know if any of these translations really hit the nail on the head. The word behind understanding or considerate here is the basic word for knowledge in the New Testament. It's the word gnosis, knowledge in the New Testament. So basically what's going on here is we're being called to know our wives. Tom Schreiner says it like this. Most English versions translate the verses, the verse so that husbands are exhorted to be considerate and kind in their relationship with their wives. And such a reading is not incorrect, 
but it shifts the focus slightly away from the meaning of the text. The meaning of the text is the call to know our wives, to live with them with a certain type of knowledge, a certain knowledge. And this text that we're looking at today is going to point out two things in particular that are important to know about our wives. There are two things in particular this text draws out about knowing our wives. But there are many more things that we should know about our wives. And brothers, we should make it one of the missions of our lives to know our wives more and more with every passing year, with every passing month, indeed with every passing day. It should be our mission to know our wives better. H.B. Charles Jr. anticipates some objection at this point, and he says, can a man understand women? No, but that is not his responsibility. He only needs to understand his wife. You husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Live with your wives in knowledge. You only need to understand your wife. Learning one woman takes a lifetime, and a husband should be a lifelong learner of his wife, H.B. Charles Jr. says. Amen to that. So, fellas, study her. Observe her. Make a cheat sheet and keep it in your wallet if necessary. Like jot down her likes and dislikes in a number of different areas of life. Learn what size she is and keep track if that changes. <laughs> Learn her preferences in style and taste. Learn what makes her happy. The things that make her light up and learn what makes her sad. The things that cause her face to drop. Learn her hopes and her dreams. Study her, observe her. Be a student of your wife. I, I learned something about Laura the other day in a pretty profound way. I want to share it with you as an example of this because it just kind of blew me away. We, we, went, I, we went axe throwing for seventh Sunday. Like our Sunday school class, we threw the axes at the places up here. It was a ton of fun. And Laura was not very good at it. And I already knew that Laura was very, is very competitive, right? That, that's just part of who she is. It's how God has wired her. It's part of why I love her. It's very competitive. And she was not having a good night throwing the axes. She just couldn't make it happen. And she wasn't helping her team. And her team lost. Like every game we played, they lost. And this drives her crazy. I already knew that. And at the very end of the night, we played a game where it was like, if you can hit this one little spot, they draw a little blue dot on the target. If you can hit that one little spot, like you're the winner, of the whole night, and she didn't hit it. And on the way home, she, she told me, she revealed this to me. She said, I really thought if I could just hit that blue dot, it would redeem the whole night. <laughs> I really thought if I could just, this one shot hit the blue dot, it would redeem the entire night. And I was like, really? You were thinking that? And she was like, oh, yeah. And I said, you mean like subconsciously in the back of your head that was going on? She was like, no, 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 right in the front of my brain. <laughs> right? Right in the front of my brain, it was like, this is, this is my chance to redeem the whole night. And I, I felt like in that moment, and I even said this, right? It's like, I feel like I can know you better. Like, this is not just rattling around in the back of her brain. This is in the front of her brain. I'm so thankful that I know that. I, I, I also have learned that it is not okay to let her win. To let her win. That is not my job. She's got to earn the win, right? Okay, so, so this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about learning. This is what the text is calling to uh, us to, to Live with our wives in an understanding way that is full of knowledge. I want to be learning more things like that all the time. There's another thing going on in this part of the text 
that is a significant point that comes out in the phrase, live with your wives. You husbands, live with your wives. I'm focusing more on the, in an understanding way, that word knowledge, but there's another word here that teaches us that we are to live with our wives. And I just want to make this point quickly from Genesis uh, chapter, chapter 2. This is chapter 1, I think. I think I messed that up. It says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. I'm not making this as a major point, but some of you need to hear it. Guys, husbands, you've got to leave your mom and dad. You've got to leave your mother and father and cleave to your wife. Be joined to your wife. The two become one flesh. That's where it's at now. No disrespect to your parents. You still love them. You still honor them. You still respect them. But you leave them when you take a wife. And you live with her. Your life is with her now. Some of you need to hear that. Some of you, that may be the word of the day. So guys, leave mom and dad. Join to your wife. Be one flesh. Know her. And know her more all the time. That's the first call to action. The next phrase says, as with someone weaker, since she is a woman. Let's skip that for now. <laughs> Let's skip that for now. Come back to it if we have time. <laughs> Second call to action is in the next phrase. And show her, I promise you we're coming back to that. It's super important. And show her honor. This is the second call to action. Live with her with knowledge and show her honor. NIV says treat her with respect. Again, this is a super rich word that we want to look at closely. Peter used this same word back in chapter 2 when he was talking about Jesus as the cornerstone. He was talking about Jesus as the cornerstone and how unbelievers reject and dismiss and count him as common and like set him aside. But he says in the sight of God... He's precious. And to us who believe in him, he's precious. Now remember, precious doesn't mean cute like a kitten. It means priceless, treasured, like a diamond. And that's the word behind honor in the text we're looking at today. It's to view her as precious. Not cute like a kitten, though she may be. Valuable, a treasure. She is priceless. Look at it in 1 Peter chapter 2. Notice how many times the word precious is used here. And again, it's the same word that's behind the word for honor in chapter 3, the text we're looking at. It says, And coming to him, that's Jesus, as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, right? It's been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value, then, is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this has become the very cornerstone. So, brothers, the call here in 1 Peter chapter 3 is to treasure and value our wives in a similar way as the Father treasures and values the son in a similar way as we believers treasure and value the son like that's a big deal that's more than respect that's more than honor even our call is to treasure and value our wives to honor them and to treat them as precious that is to recognize that she is not common she is not ordinary she is not cheap and replaceable 
She's precious. She's a priceless treasure. So maybe two questions to help us apply this that we might need to ask our wives. Does she know that you see her that way? Does she know that you see her as a priceless treasure? Precious. Second question is, do the people around you know that you see her this way? You know, last week I said something about how you can tell a lot about the health of a marriage by listening to the commentary, the offhanded comments that spouses make about each other by listening to how they talk about each other when the other's not around. Do the people around you know that you see your wife as a treasure, as precious? That's what it means to honor her. So in this text, there are two calls to action. Live with knowledge, like know some things about her and honor her. Those are the two calls to action. Know her and honor her. And then the text gives two insights into wives that are going to help us know and honor. All right? Two insights. And those two insights are going to balance each other out. So let's go back now to the phrase that I skipped. See, I'm not a wimp. not a weasel. not getting out of it. One of the things that we need to know about our wives so that we can honor them is found in this phrase, as with someone weaker, since she is a woman. There's a lot of debate about what this means, and translations vary a bit, so we have some work to do. But once we understand this rightly, once we understand this rightly, we must accept it. Even if we don't like it, we must accept it. This is God's word, after all, and so therefore it is right and true. And our role is not to embrace or reject what is right and true. Our role is to embrace what God has said and submit ourselves to it. So we want to do that. One of the most interesting things going on in this section is that Peter doesn't use the standard word for woman or wife at the end of the phrase. When he says, as with someone weaker, since she is a woman, he doesn't use a normal word there at the end. There's a subtle little thing going on here that Wayne Grudem helpfully explains when he says, the woman translates a rare word, meaning more literally the feminine one. It suggests that Peter looks to the characteristic nature of, a, of womanhood or femininity and suggests that a wife's femaleness should itself elicit honor from her husband. So one might even say, since she is womanly or since she is feminine. And in this insight, the attention is being drawn to the difference between the man and the woman. The difference here is between the man and the woman. And it's a difference that we have been seeing from the beginning. Back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So God created mankind in his image, but he made us distinct from one another, male and female. So we're, we're, we're emphasizing here the difference between the man and the woman. We also see this difference when in comparison by Peter's use of the word weaker. He doesn't say she is weak. It says directed to husbands, she is weaker. Weaker than you. And I'm confident that this weakerness is a reference to physical strength, primarily and generally. This is where the debate usually goes. Does that mean that she's weaker spiritually? 
Does it mean that she's weaker emotionally? Does it mean that she's weaker intellectually? Does it mean that she's weaker in all these other ways? And, and I think the text kind of says, no, that's, that's not what these are about. The primary emphasis here, even some of your translations say the weaker vessel, which is a reference often to the body. She is weaker than you physically, generally. And that might not be a popular statement, but it's true. And here it is in the text. And if we didn't say things that were unpopular, but true, and are in the Bible, we wouldn't have much to say. So I think that this text is teaching us that the man and the woman are different by God's design, and the woman is weaker physically. So husbands, know that about her. Husbands, know, like live with understanding that she is weaker than you physically and honor her in that. Those are the two calls to action, right? Know this about her, that she is the weaker vessel in her femininity. She's a weaker vessel and honor her in that. Well, what's that look like? I think there are three ways that looks. How do I know my wife's weakerness and honor her in that? Number one, by chivalry. By chivalry, like my grandma taught me. Open the door for her as a gesture of this honor, as a gesture of you are a precious thing to me. When we're walking down the sidewalk, walk, you dudes, walk on the side closest to the road. Like that is a, a gesture of honor to say if a car comes across the sidewalk and crashes into us, it's getting me first. Right? That's a way, that's a way it's a simple little way to honor her in the difference that God has designed in us. Husbands, let me say it this way. All those things are gestures whereby you create an environment that makes her feel valued and cherished, treasured. In fact, you said you, said you would do this. When you stood before God, you said you will cherish her, right? And this is what we're talking about. So knowing, knowing her physical weakerness, honor her. Show her as precious in chivalry. Number two, in service. Ours, gentlemen, is a duty of protection and provision. We are called as the stronger ones physically to protect our wives and to provide for them. And we should take that seriously as a way to honor God and as a way to show our wives that they are precious to us, that we cherish them. So husbands, create an environment where she feels safe and secure. That's a way, knowing this about her, that you can honor her. And the third, you do not abuse her. Now, I talked about this last week and wanted to, wanted to say it as aggressively and strongly as I could, and I want to do it again this week. Brothers, if you use your strongerness to intimidate, belittle, frighten, or terrify, you need to be warned today. You need to be warned today that you are not just sinning against your wife, though you are. You are sinning against the Lord. And he could squash you like a grape at any moment of his choosing. You may be stronger than her, but you are weak compared to the Lord who will not stand by and let you treat one of his daughters that way. Brothers, there is no place for your physical intimidation of your wife or your abuse of her, or you're even like over her like this. 
so that she stands like this. This is not honor. This is not the product of honoring her and treating her as precious. It's not at all what it looks like, and that is not what God is talking about here. Bullying or abusing your wife or any woman for that matter does not prove that you are strong. It does not prove that you are strong. It proves that you are sinful and that you need to repent before your wife and before the Lord. Stop it. That's going on. Stop it. And ladies, if that's happening to you, tell somebody. Get some help. Get to a safe place and let us help you. So, know the difference. Know the difference between the husband and the wife, the stronger and the weaker. Know the difference and honor her in those differences. So there are ways that husbands and wives are different that's highlighted here by talking about her as the weaker vessel since she is a woman, since she is feminine. But there are some ways that husband and wife are the same and that's highlighted in the next phrase that says, as a fellow heir of the grace of life. That's another thing that we need to know about our wives. Brothers, your wife may be weaker than you physically, but she is every bit as much an heir of the grace of life as you are. And when you stand before the throne of God, there is a radical sameness to you. Physically, there's a difference. When you stand before God spiritually, there is a radical sameness. And I'm choosing that word carefully. I'm not saying we are different in this way and equal in that way. Because I fear that by saying that, you would import some kind of inequality here. Like essential inequality here. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about differences physically. And we're talking about sameness spiritually. That's the highlight, that we are the same. We are. Some of your translations say co-heirs. Co-heirs of the grace of life. We stand the same when it comes to the gospel. We stand the same when it comes to the favor of God. There's a radical sameness that is spoken of in Galatians chapter 3. And Paul says, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants heirs according to the promise. You catch what he's talking about there? He's talking about the essence of the gospel and the spiritual oneness that we have in Christ. We are all heirs. We are all sons. Whether you are a male or a female, we are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. He is not saying that all of those distinctions disappear in other categories. No, no, no. Later later on, he's going he's gonna to talk about the differences that we have. But here when it talks about our standing before God, it's sameness that is emphasized. And that's what Peter is trying to emphasize. We are sane in our standing before the throne of God. And this is connected to the wonderful description of the Christian's identity way back in 1 Peter chapter 1. Look at it with me in verse 3. We started this letter by saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. 
Gentlemen, you and your wife may have been born with some radical differences, but you have been reborn into radical sameness. And that's what Peter is emphasizing here in this second phrase. Born with differences, reborn with sameness. So, fellows, we need to know that, right? Know that and honor her in that. Honor her by not treating her as some kind of second-class citizen in the kingdom of God. Saying that the gospel is for men and not for women. Honor her as a sister, as a co-heir, as a queen, one preacher said. Honor her as a queen of the universe by God's grace. And then look what he says at the end. This is really interesting. He's, he's called us to know, to know and honor our wives in our differences since she is a woman, the weaker vessel, and in our sameness since she is a co-heir of the grace of life. And then he says, so that your prayers will not be hindered. And this comes with as a stark warning that should be received as a stark warning. If you are not knowing and honor your, honoring your wife in her feminine weakerness and in her redemption sameness, your prayers are going to be blocked. That's what's going to happen. If you don't, you don't do this right, guys, your prayers are going to be blocked. And my fear, as I talked with Pastor Dylan, is that some of you are going to say, well, if that's all it costs me, no biggie. If all disobedience to this and the way I treat my wife and the way I know her and the way I honor her, if all this costs me is my prayer life, no big deal. I don't have a prayer life anyway. So I'll just treat her however I like because the results are not going to be any different. And no, brothers, that's a problem a problem. Our prayer lives are so important. One preacher said, how you treat your wife can hinder the practice of prayer, your practice of prayer, and the power of your prayers. Practice and power of your prayers are impacted by the way you treat your wife. That is, your communion with God in prayer is impacted by this. That means this is important. Brothers, this means that Your connection with your wife is so important. And your connection with your wife is connected to prayer. And I will tell you that this text has been personally convicting to me in my prayer life, particularly in my prayer life with Laura. Prayer for Laura has never been a problem for me. Prayer with her has been a constant challenge for me. Since we've been married for 20 years, it's been a constant challenge. I can pray for her, no problem. Pray with her on a regular basis has been a constant challenge that we've worked on, uh, failed, and stepped back and worked on again. We talked about this last night. We've got to work. I've got work to do here, and I want to do better at that. I want to pray with her and not in a way where my prayers are hindered. So let's talk application quickly. Number one, beloved, this place is not our home. Thank God this place is not our home because this world could not be more confused about men and women right now. This world could not be more confused about marriage right now. This world says that our view, which is a biblical view, is evil even. Like it's oppressive and evil what we say, the Bible says. We need the Bible to speak with clarity on this, and the Bible does. By God's grace, the Bible speaks with clarity. And so, since this world is not our home, let's receive the word of God and obey it, even if this world goes a whole different way. This place is not our home. Number two, there is a war within. For for men, for husbands, 
The war is that we would go too far with the differences and ignore our sameness. Some of you have a tendency to look down on women. Look down on your wife even instead of treasuring her. Instead of honoring her. Brothers, let's honor our wives and let's honor all the sisters that we have in Christ. For women, the war goes like this. I want to ignore the differences and go too far with the sameness. And so let me encourage you ladies just quickly. Receive honor when it's given. Even gestures of honor when they're given. Gestures of honor are just that honor. We know that you can open the door yourself. We know that. You're capable of opening the door for yourself. We know that you can provide for yourselves. We know that you can protect yourselves. We know those things. But let us show you how precious you are by serving you in those ways. Even the ways that are mere gestures. Let us do that as a way to honor and please receive it as a token of honor. We're not saying you can't do these things. We're saying let us because you're precious to us. Receive it that way. And number three, beloved, there's a world to win. We want to win them to Christ, not to our view of gender and marriage. Remember in the text that Laura read, it says, the mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Like all of this, all of this is in reference to Christ and the church. Marriage, rightly done, should be a picture pointing people to the gospel. Love and sacrifice of Christ should be on display in the love and sacrifice of a husband to his wife. Glad trust and obedience of the church should be on display in the glad trust and obedience of a wife to her husband. This is ultimately about the gospel. And let me tell you this, you've got no hope of having a biblical godly marriage unless you are both believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. To live according to this design requires a new birth. So I invite you today to repent of your sins and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. That may be the most important thing. Forget all this lesson about marriage. Come to Jesus and be forgiven. Come to Jesus and be reconciled to the Father through his death, through his burial, and through his resurrection. Let's stand together and pray. Father, I do ask that you would help us husbands to live as you have told us to live, to not go the way of the world, to not go the way of the flesh, but to go the way of your word, your design, knowing that it's right and true and knowing that it's good for us knowing that it's good for our wives. Father, I pray that you bring repentance where it's necessary, bring conviction of sin and repentance. Bring encouragement. There, there are some husbands in this room who are doing it well. I pray that you'll encourage them and affirm them in that. Help them to continue on that road and so that the rest of us can watch and learn and follow as they lead. Father, be glorified as we respond to your word in these moments. And as we leave this place in Christ's name, amen.